0: This is a teaching message from Church of the Living Water of Austin. Turn with me to the book of Ephesians, chapter 6. Book of Ephesians, chapter 6. And as for today's topic... see how we're going to do this. So, it's always interesting going out of one year into the next year, right? And, and it's a good time to reflect. It really is. Because I'm going to tell you, you've forgotten things that have been said, you know, just last Sunday, let alone Sundays back in January. Or, or And this thing about this, you know, what's special about 2020 in a sense is remember, it's a whole decade has passed. From 2010 to 2020, that's 10 year, a decade has gone by. Right? So you're not only leaving 2019. You're leaving this decade. You know, I was talking to my son. And I, and I reminded him of my son. I said, you know, you, you graduated high school in 2010. Next year, you'll be 10 years outside of high school. Right? And his eyes got big. I'm like, yeah. That's right. Hey, baby. You, you understand. You, you're far away from them, them years that you thought was everything. To now you're in adult life. Right? And, and it's amazing. That's how time is. And, and so... When thinking about <clears throat> leaving 2019, leaving this decade, coming to a closer, as wall builders, we must look forward to 2020 and to the next decade. Now, and I'll say this. I know we always say a new year. But understand, there's nothing new under the sun. It's just what is next for us. Right? In other words, you go from 2019 and you, you know what's next, 20. It ain't new. It ain't like, oh, surprise! So I know it's going to be 20. You know, it's kind of easy map, right? 19, 20. You already know it's coming. It's not new. It's just what's next. So we, got, we have to understand that that means for us, it's just another set of challenges, right? In other words, it's not new challenges. It's another next set of challenges. It, 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 it's, it's not new trials you're going to deal with. It's just the next. Set of trials. It's not new disappointments, it's just the next set of disappointments. You understand it? It's just what's coming next. Because what happens if you think about it as being something new, then you that's how you're not ready for it. You're like, oh, that's new. No, it's just next. It's what's coming next. And what next for us to experience as wall builders. It's part of this ministry. It's next. You know, like I guess in the like, you talk about basketball terms or sports terms, you know, who's up next, right? It's not who's new, it's what's up next. And we should be prepared to be next up. And 2020 is right here for us, and we're going to be ready for what's next for us. Because we heard this, you know, what is new, don't stay new long. It's going to get old, but those next set of challenges are right there. So, in preparation for next year, in, in my time of just reflecting, and I tell you, you go Ephesians six and, and ten. One message that really stuck out to me is always around understanding spiritual warfare. It really is, because the warfare is real. The enemy, the adversary, the devil, Satan, he is real. And he is coming to take you out. And what the thing about spiritual warfare to me, it's a setup. It's a match. And you know what? It's just a chess game. And it's getting to the place in your life where it's a point that it's going to come, an a obstacle is going to come your way. And then now this decision you make is, is either going to make you or break you. It. it can set you back for years. And all because it, it led you to a certain place. And you never saw it coming. And then all of a sudden, bam, you've been taken out. It's warfare. So we've got to always be mindful of that warfare, always be mindful that we have an adversary. The adversary is not, I'm going to tell you, the adversary is not coming with a new set of tricks. He's coming with the next set. There's nothing new the adversary is bringing your way. It's just the next set of tricks and schemes and wiles of the devil. It's next. So we're going to examine and look at understanding spiritual warfare. And subtitle is How to Respond in Spiritual Warfare. Because when it comes to spiritual warfare, it is all about how you respond. Your response. And, and the enemy is going to try to make sure you respond according to your flesh. Not according to his, God's purpose. Because we've learned these things, these things. So things we're going to talk about today, you know, it, it's been said before. But I'm just going to try to bring some things into your remembrance. So what we've learned, right? We've learned when we come to a crossroad. Crossroad right? Crossroad means a place you've got to make a decision. When I come to a crossroad, who's going to be there? Of course, you're going to be there. And then it's going to be the enemy. And then it's going to be God. Now, you have to know who, who to choose. you got to know that. And I'm going to tell you what. You know, the enemy is so crafty and so subtle. The enemy will play and pretend like he looks like God. And I love how God is God like, the just should live by faith. You know how... God's going to remind you of His Word. He's going to remind you of what He has said. He's gonna, God's going to remind you of the consistency of where He's been in your life. And if, you don't, if you're not crafting up to understand if it's God speaking to me or if it's the enemy, then you will choose the enemy. Because I'm going to tell you right now, what appeals to your flesh is 99.9% not God. God is not appealing to your flesh in the crossroads. Your purpose is not lined up with God's purpose, and God's not trying to get His purpose in your life through your flesh. He's not using your flesh to get through His purpose. But for a lot of times, we make those decisions based on our flesh, our desires, our wants, our desperation. Things that we, again, things we have put into motion, now it's come to fruition, and we're saying, oh, that's God. I'm like, God, that was never me. I never told you to put that into motion. But you're at that crossroads. So spiritual warfare to me is so important because it's going to show how you respond. Your response is key. God's not going to force you how to respond. The enemy's not going to force you how to respond. They're going to put it out there for you to choose. Choose you this day who you shall serve, right? I put before you life and death. And God said, choose life so that you can live. Now, Ephesians chapter 6, starting at verse 10. He says, "Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord, in in the power of His might. Put on the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, <clears throat> against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual weaknesses, wickedness in high places." So, in that passage of Scripture, what we've learned so much about is letting you know there is spiritual warfare. But he's telling you, be strong in the Lord. My strength is not in my ability. My strength is in the Lord. His grace truly is sufficient to be able to stand against all the wiles, all the tricks, all the schemes of the enemy. But you must be conscious of what they are. We need to understand how to recognize the adversary and how to respond to it. Now, the ultimate weapon of the adversary, of the enemy, is deception. It's deception. Your, your, and your perception of deception is where he gets in at. It's all about deception. The enemy comes to deceive you. What you, what you think appears to be right is, is really wrong. But it's, it's the, the, the deception about it. It's so subtle. That's his ultimate weapon, is deception. And being able to deceive you by what is being said or presented. To get you to respond out of your flesh, out of your carnal nature, and not out of the fruit of the spirit, which is you know we love and kindness and joy. That's the deception. It's gonna it's to deceive you to what is being said or presented. And so now you think it's one way, and so because you think it's one way, now you're gonna respond based on that. And your thinking is wrong. And so guess what? Your response is going to be wrong. So that's why in 2020, get hear, hear this out, in 2020 wall builders, we're going to work even closer together. I'm going to tell you, in 2020, we collectively are going to work even closer together. You think, oh, we work pretty close now. We're going to work even closer together in 2020. Collectively. Again, you see things kind of mapping out. You, you can see it collectively we're going to work even closer together in 2020 in different situations around different people. So we're going to have to know how to respond one to another and respond to others with love, compassion, and kindness. We're going to have to know because we're going to work even... I'm, you know, it's one way you can respond to somebody from a distance, but no, when they're close to you, you got to know how to respond to them. And I'm going to tell you... In, 2020, we're going to have even closer relationships together working. So you got to know how to respond to one another out of love, out of kindness, out of compassion. Because when you're in close quarters with one another, they're going to rub you the wrong way. Somebody's going to say something that you're not going to like. And here comes the enemy right behind what they said to get you to be deceived and respond out of your flesh. So prepare for that. In 2020, we're going to work closer together. You know, in other words, it's why, you know I really did not like hanging around you now, Brother Hate. Well, guess what? You're going, you're going to even see more of me in 2020. Well, I just don't like their personality. Well, get over, You know, some people's personality is not going to change. You know, you are who you are. But my response to you is what I can control. So, so, again, I said that we need to have respond with, with uh, one another and with others with love, compassion, and kindness. And that means not with hatred, not with envy, not with strife, not with jealousy, and not with competition. Let's stop competing within the church. We're not in competition with one another. Let me help you out. We're not in competition with the church down the street. We're not in competing the work that God has for us to do is for us to do. And what what God is called to do, He's going to make sure we have everything we need to get it done. And guess what He's going to provide it? Right here. Guess what? That's why you're here. Welcome to the Church of the Living Water. Where God has placed you here to get His work accomplished. Stop looking for the outside to bring in something that God has called us to do. It's going to come from right here. From people sitting right here. Us. That's why you know God must be good. Because you know where you're at. But God is still calling you to this great work. And He expects for us to get it done. He's required for us to get it done. And guess what? We shall get it done. You know, one thing I, 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 I loved about in going back to the, to, uh, to the birth of, of Jesus the Christ and, and reading over the thing, I, what I really loved about was, I loved Zechariah and Elizabeth. You know what I loved about that with John the Baptist? What I love about that, that whole story is because even when they're old age, guess what God's like, you're gonna have this child. In other words, there's certain things that you know some you're gonna do. Yeah. I, I, lo- <laughs> I love I God. God is not gonna stop because you say no. God's like, You are gonna do this. Whether well, you come kicking or screaming, this work is for you to do. Yeah. And for Elizabeth and Zacharias, they were gonna have that child named John. Now, we've got to shut your mouth to get you to understand that. Or we've got to you know, bring some supernatural way your, come your way to help you understand that this is God's work for you to do. You're going to get it done. God's not going to go outside of you to get his work accomplished. He's going to get you to get in line to get it, get it done. So for us, guess what? It's for us to do. It's for us to do. And so I, I just rather go joyfully versus going kicking and screaming. This is work that God has called us to do. So we're not, I'm, we're not competing with one another. We're not having envy and strife with one another. Let's not have hatred towards one another. So when we talk about spiritual warfare, you know, again, the spiritual warfare is always intended to get you off the purpose of God. The purpose of God is getting you off of that. Getting you to disobey His will, get you off His purpose, and get you focused on yourself. Even though you've been free from the dominion of sin, you've been placed in the kingdom of God through salvation, you have to stay free. You've got to remind yourself of the freedom that you have in Christ Jesus. You have to constantly remind yourself of that. And in spiritual warfare, again, there are there are specific targets. Right? In other words, there's an aim and goal in the warfare. And when those targets get hit, guess what happened? There are casualties. Whether deliberate or innocent, there's still casualties in, in battle, in war. Don't be a casualty. See, that's, that's what I mean about, hey, stay with purpose, stay free, because if you allow the enemy to get you down that path of destruction, you will be a casualty. And then, I'm going to tell you, then you go back and, it's, at the time it's happening, you don't see it. But then, after, once you've been a casualty, you look back on it and you're like, you know, somebody should have just stayed. I should have just stayed consistent. I shouldn't have responded that way. You have all these regrets. I'm going to tell you, I, I, I am purpose. I am not going to live with regrets. I'm not. Because I missed something. Because I respond, I'm not going to get caught up like that with nobody. Live with regret? No. Why? Because life is too short. Here's the thing about it. You know, some things you just cannot regain. You know, we, we think that, you know, something I'm like, oh, it's going to come back around. Some things are not coming back around. Again, that's what warfare is about. So don't be a casualty. Right? Stay in position. Stay on purpose. You know, I remember Mr. Martin said this. Trust the process. You know, there's a work that's being done in your life that God is doing. Trust it. Right, so again, we talk about spiritual warfare. The, the adversary is real. And the adversary is a force that opposes and attacks. Right? And this this adversary that's coming against you will not let up. Understand it. The adversary is not going to let up. You know, the adversary, the enemy, the devil, he's not sleeping. i got to tell you, he's strategic. He's setting you up for a day. For a time, for a season, to knock you out. Don't don't miss that, because you're looking at individual battles and thinking that you won, but but he's setting you up to win the war. <laughs> he don't care about the individual. You may hit and miss here and there, but he's setting you up to take you out to win the war. He don't care about the individual battles. He wants to take you out, the end game. And this warfare is not unique to anyone. Right? He's, he even, ch- he even uh, attacked Jesus. And we saw that in, in the time we studied spiritual warfare. He, he attacked Jesus at the time when, when he came off his 40 days of, uh, of praying and fasting. Right? He attacked him. So you know if he attacked Jesus, you know how confident and bold he is. Who are you? So that means we can't be arrogant. Can't not walk around like there's not an adversary. There is one. We've got to recognize his schemes, his tricks. Now, the battlefield for the enemy is always in your mind. Now, look at this in 2 Corinthians chapter 10. The battlefield is in your mind. It's in your mind. you talking about your heart. is where your decisions are made at. Again, that's why you better be able to recognize the enemy because those thoughts that you have, again, it's going to help you to, to, to lead you one way or how do you respond. The battlefield is in your mind. You have to have a sober mind. What makes my mind sober? is putting in the Word of God. I have to use the Word of God to renew my mind. Without the Word of God, your mind is not sober. People say the most silliest things. And you can tell their mind is not sober. They're saying stuff that is, I mean, silly. They're not sober at all. And the reason being because they have not placed, put the Word of God in their heart and in renewing their mind with the Word. How do I renew the mind with, with, with God's word? You have to read it. You actually have, have to sit down, open up your Bible, and actually read. There's no shortcuts when it comes to the Word of God. You gotta read it. Second Corinthians chapter ten, starting at verse number four. It says <clears throat> let's start in verse three. For though we walk in the flesh, <clears throat> we do not war after the flesh. I like that. You don't know, understand. Our battle is not with the flesh. You walk in this flesh, but you don't war against the flesh. We're going to find what the battle is. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to pulling down of the strongholds. Casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. And bring it into captivity, every thought, to the obedience of Christ. So get this in verse five It says casting down imaginations. I mean this is your response. You got to cast down those imaginations. What is our imaginations? Your fantasies, right? Things that are really not real, but you imagining it. You know, some of us have a psychotic state. We all have some imaginary friends, right? We have our own imaginary uh, reality, right? You got to cast down those imaginations. Again, that's what I mean by the ultimate weapon of the enemy is deception. The, the, the enemy has your mind in a captive state, in a imagined state. You're in a fantasy land all the time. Because when you can, when you're talking people, it's amazing how you say something to somebody, and what people hear is totally different. Than what I said, like, I didn't even say that. But that's what they heard, because your mind is corrupt. You hear with a different level of filter. For again, casting down imaginations and every high thing. That exalts itself against the knowledge of God. What is the high thing? The high thing is anything that goes against God's purpose. Don't miss that. The high thing that exalts itself, it goes against God's purpose. So now I have a a thought and it it is exalting itself over the purpose of God. Then that's the high thing. I got to cast it down. I cannot receive it. I cannot take it in as my own and walk in it and apply it. It's a high thing. So what's a high thing for you? Understand, what's a high thing for you? That means if, if an opportunity... Think about your workplace, right? That means if an opportunity, your workplace comes and says, you know, we're going to pay you X amount of money, and, and, and but to get X amount of money or this promotion, you've got to leave where you're at and go move somewhere else. And in your mind, you're like, oh, that sounds like a great opportunity for me. And it is a great opportunity for you. But is it a high thing? Because what about the work that God has called you to do here? So now you have to make a decision. Am I go, is it going to be about me and pursuing what I want or am I going to stay with the purpose of God? Yeah. See, that's the deception. That's the reality. That's the warfare. And I'm going to tell you, your mind and your heart will find every reason to justify you taking that opportunity. Yeah. Because that's what you want. Especially to something that's, again, that's sweet. You know, they can make a deal sweet. The enemy can make a sweet deal for you. Yeah. Whatever it takes to go, get you to walk away, he'll... He'll lay it on the table for you. And I, and I say this too. You know, everybody got a price. Okay, oh, you, you, you understand this, right? Everybody has a price. You know, we all sit here and say, I love the Lord. I, I, you know, I don't care what comes my way. I don't care what they say. Everybody got a price. I understand. You know, Judas had a price, right? You know, for five pieces of silver, no, I won't betray him. But 30 pieces of silver? uh, Let's talk. Everybody has a price. The enemy knows what your price is. That's the game. That's the setup to get you to your price and then get you to move away from the purpose of God. Because, you know, your price can be that man that you've been trying to get for the longest. Oh, you step in some things, right? You know, because you want to get married so bad, and then a brother shows up here at the church, and all of a sudden, oh, your your shipment came in, and that brother became your price, and then as soon as you get married, guess what he does? Takes you away from the church. That was your price. It wasn't 30 pieces of silver. It was your lust about getting a man that took you away. And and I'll tell you, the enemy set you up, because he knew. He set you up, walked you down, brought in the brother of, of your flavor, and that brother, your flavor took you away from the purpose of God. And then now you came back and say, oh, but God gave me a husband. God like, I was never in that. That was all you wanted. But the enemy done took you away. And I'm going to tell you, years will go by and you'll see that that was not God at all in that choice. But you ain't hearing that. You know, you, like I said, we think of pride. You think about I know well, our mind is on money. You know, it's all about money for us. The enemy knows your price. That's so what I say, everybody has a price that will get you to walk away from it all. Then casting down imagination every high thing that exalt itself with the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. That means I've got to punish every thought. Every thought that, come in, that comes against the purpose of God, I have to punish it. Punish it. You know how do you how do you punish a thought? Now, that's good. How do you punish a thought? You know a thought that you have that comes to your mind. You're like, oh, that's that's not God. How do you punish it? One way one way of punishing it is not act on it. One way of punishing it is not even respond to it. You know how you you puni- It's like putting your children on punishment for something they've done. You bring forth correction around with the rod, so they won't. So that next time it comes around, they'll know what the proper behavior is. You know, you, know you don't just spank them and keep spanking them and keep spanking them and not show them what's proper to do. So when the punishment comes with every thought, like, oh, I can't believe that came my way. But guess what? I'm going to combat that with the Word of God. I'm going to punish that thought with God's Word to show the correction of what I should be thinking of. You know, like the Bible says in Ephesians, right? Think on things that are lovely, that are just, that have virtue, that have a good report. i got to punish that thought. Right? Because here's... Here's when the thought comes, right? When it comes to bringing, every, every, uh, bringing into captivity every thought into the obedience of, 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 uh, of Christ. Here, here's when the opposition comes. It's the thought about your brother. The thought about somebody in the ministry. Because again, the biggest, the ultimate weapon is deception. So that means somebody in the ministry said something to you, and then here comes the thought that you need to bring in captivity. Right, Because if thought comes and says, Oh, I don't believe that sister said that to me. Does she know who I am? How dare her say that to me? Or, I don't believe that sister or that brother said that about my child. Or, or you up here in this setting, you say something. Oh, they talking about me. How do you think every time we say something, it's talking about you personally? And let me say this. It is, but we didn't call nobody name. Like the example we gave about somebody uh, choosing their job and going over the things of God. That was an example. You know, but the shoe fit, it was you. But we never called your name. Guess who called your name? God did. But you, that thought came to your mind, oh, they're picking on me. See, I told you they didn't like me. See, I'm saying all those thoughts. come. See, that's the thoughts you've got to bring in captivity. The ones that get you thinking deception, I can say you're not sober anymore. You're thinking everybody's picking on you from this setting and God is trying to bring some correction in your life. Stop thinking God uh, thinking that people are picking on you. No one's picking on you. I'm telling you, no one's picking on you. We don't come for, uh, up with messages just for you. Tailored for you. Now God will, but we not that's not our, our study. That's not our, you you don't you don't have a picture of you in our study time. I'm going to make sure I hit this point with that person and this point with that brother and this point with that sister oh and this one for their children we don't, yeah no but that's your mentality that's the spiritual warfare see what I'm saying these are the small foxes like the Bible says that spoils the vine these are the thoughts that come your way that you never put in check because you already got issues with brother so and so you already got issues with sister so and so you know that's the thing about being in church for a, a while right we have history you know, we, we've been in battles together, right? You've seen our behavior. And in your mind, you, that that behavior and in the past, you're still holding on to. Even though that person has gotten saved, gotten filled with the Holy Ghost. You know, that person has made a commitment to God, but you still think of him as where they were before. That's a spiritual warfare. That's the thought that you had to cast down. You no, know, that's the thing. To me, that's the beauty about watching the, the young people in the ministry step up and do some things. Right? And what I mean by step up and do some things... I, you know, we've been here. For, a lot of these young uh, young people that have been in this ministry. I remember the time when they were in the children ministry. I remember the time when they was in the youth group. But they're adults now. They're not teenagers. They are not children. They are adult men, adult women. So guess how I'm gonna treat them like? An adult. I'm not treating them based on what I saw back when they was in the youth group, when they was in the children's ministry. Oh, you've been bad ever since you. You know how it was bad ever since because they weren't saved. Just like you were bad ever since when you weren't saved. They weren't even born again. Why? Well, I'm going to hold some against a child when they weren't even born again. Let God hold something against you when you weren't born again. But see, that's our attitude. Instead of nurturing, encouraging. See, that's their thought. I'm telling you, that's the enemy setting you up. So now that person tried to come, they're stepping up and doing some things, and we have no love, no compassion, right? No grace. If they make one mistake, we realize, oh, you're done. But let God throw us away when we made our mistakes. I, mean, I guess everybody else in here, I've made plenty of mistakes. You know, one thing I can say about my founding pastor, one thing I can say about my current pastor, I thank God for the, the grace that they have shown me in ministry. Because I've made plenty of mistakes. But it never came and tried to condemn me for my mistakes were made. They say, hey, Brother Haston, let's correct that. Let's do it this way. And I understand what that means. Just correct and do it. I'm not, finna, I'm not here trying to justify it. Well, you know, the reason why I did this, we co- just correct it and move on. Instead of we have an attitude, oh, somebody do something that we know is wrong. Instead of correcting it, we want to tell everybody how bad they were. That's the first thing. Everybody's got to know. I I, I don't know. You know, this stuff me and my wife talk about all the time. You know, it's the things that you do good. You know, you never hear about the things you do good. You know, things you get correct. You know, I'm serious, right? The things you... You never hear about that. But let the little bitty thing that you've done... Then all of a sudden, everybody knows. It's like that gets out. And now you've been... You know, that's the label that you have. This is the person that does this. Now, can we keep some things in private? Again, I'm not, I'm not saying there's things that the people need to know need to know. I'm not saying it. You know, have balance with it. I understand what I'm saying. Some things people do, they, certain people need to know about it. But some things, everybody don't need to know everybody else's business. Because I'm t- if we have the same mentality, you know, if everybody knew all the mistakes that I made, I wouldn't be standing up here now. <laughs> hey, brother, you need to sit out All that stuff you did. You know, it's not publicized. But we're so quick. See, that's what I mean about in 2020, right? How we're going to work even closer together. How there's going to be even more things that we're going to do collectively, right? And if you don't have to settle these issues, if you haven't captured your thoughts, then you're going to be the one that's going to come out and say things about individuals that you shouldn't say. You're not going to show love. You're not going to show compassion. You're not going to show kindness. You're going to show hatred, envy, strife, competition. You're going to say things about somebody to bring somebody else down to make you look better. Stop it. That's not God. See, that is spiritual warfare. I'm not here to tear down my brother. And that battleground, I'm telling you, it's in your mind. It's in your heart. These things we taught. Spiritual warfare is so serious. Because it's going to... Spiritual warfare is going to hit you where you live. What I mean by that, it's the area... Of your weakness that you have yet to address, spiritual warfare is going to continue to bombard you in that area. Compound you, and pound you and pound you in that area. I'm going to tell you, you know, <laughs> for us that has children, all of our children have made mistakes. All of our children, just like we have, have made choices that we shouldn't have made. All of us. Well, I had. We can call your daddy, and mama now, and put them on the loudspeaker. and They'll tell you, "Oh, that child was made plenty of bad choices." But how we are condemning somebody from the bad choices they made, versus trying to restore them? We have to restore this generation. And in restoring this generation, some of us need to be restored in our attitudes towards one another. Show love and kindness. Restore them restore that's what I mean about your response learn how to respond to people don't don't just remind them like they're shouting in the dark remind them of all the bad choices they made remind them of who they are in Christ Jesus if you say you're a child of God remind them of those things you say you've given your life to Jesus Christ let's talk to you about that how's your walk with the Lord what has God said to you how are you can commit yourself in 2020 to God even, even more in a closer with? Just talk to them about those things versus just continually rehash the things they've done in the past over and over and over again. See, that's the casting down every imagination. That's, that's the uh, bringing into, uh, into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. That's the punishing of those thoughts. I'm, I, you know, something. Uh, there's some things I'm just not repeating. I'm not going to say everything. I- I'm just not. And I'm going to tell you, that takes discipline. To restrain yourself from saying things about other people. Because, you know, you can have plenty of restraint about saying things about you. But saying things about other people, you have to restrain yourself. That's why sometimes you just just to walk away. You know, some conversations, just walk off of it. Don't respond. Just walk away. Because I'm casting down every thought and imagination. That's just a punishment. My punishment of that thought is I walk away from it. I walk away from the conversation. And they say, well, you ain't got nothing to say. I just walk away. I ain't got to turn back and be religious. God bless you. That's between you and the Lord. All that other stuff I pray for you. All that religious stuff. I just walk away. See, these are the things I'm telling you in 2020. Be prepared for. It's preparation. It's preparation. Get your heart right by your response to people, because you're going to see a different, I say, different class in your mind of people that comes your way, and you got to know how to respond to them. I'm not bringing up this shame. I'm not going to remind them of their guilt. I'm going to remind them of the walk with the Lord Jesus. Now look at this in Luke chapter eight. God is so good. And for me, I'm telling you, like I said. I, I know where I came from. For me personally, that's why it's easy for me to remember these things. Because I know I, I, I still remember how I was. Before I start trying to condemn somebody, God, like, well, let's talk about you. Matter of fact, let's talk about you since you got saved. I'm gonna tell you, you ain't got it all right since you've been saved. You have made bad choices since you received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. You have since you've been saved. You have not walked perfect before the Lord. Let's deal with that. But but how did how did God respond to you? Please, that, that keeps me. That you know that keeps me in place of being humble, being thankful, being grateful, not in a place of being entitled, thinking nobody owe me anything. I, I, stay where I need to be at. I'm so. If I am so thankful for my church. I'm thankful for the ministry because I know without this, I know I, there's no way I would be where I'll be at now, with God. And I'm gonna tell you, you well, brother Hayson, you have no. It's because of God and the ministry is where I am, where I am today. Like Paul said, it wasn't. Because, it had not been for the grace of God, I am what I am. It's by the grace of God. That's it. Nothing else. So when I talk to people, I, I keep that constant in my mind. Luke chapter 8 because I made a statement before about and one thing about spiritual warfare, be careful how you hear. Because again, people say things to you, but how you hear it is so important. How you hear it. Not how what they say it, how you hear it. Because how you hear it is how you're going to respond. So Luke chapter 8, verse 18, it says, Take heed, therefore, how you hear. Again, take heed, therefore, how you hear. So first of all, you got to hear something, but then it's how you hear. What do I mean by that? you got to put yourself in position to hear it. That's first and foremost. Because people say, well, I, swear, I just want to hear nothing. No, put yourself in position to hear it, but now take heed to how you hear it. For whosoever hath to him shall be given, and whosoever, whosoever hath not, for him to be taken even that which he seemeth to have. You see, it's interesting how these wording is, right? Because it's going to take away something from you that you seem to have. Now, if you seem to have something, that means you don't really have it. But be careful how you hear. Because what you heard, you heard that you had it. You missed that, right? went over you? People hear things like they have something, but really you don't have it. And that what you thought you had is going to be taken away because guess what? You never had it. So be careful how you hear. How you hear. How things are presented to you. Be careful how you hear it. That's why I'm saying listen carefully. There's nothing wrong with the message, but how did you hear it? There's nothing wrong with the individual, the vessel that gives you the message. How did you hear it? So that means if you heard something that you that you seem to thought you had and didn't have it, that means you heard it with the wrong heart. What's a wrong heart of how I hear? An offended heart is a wrong heart. A corrupt heart is a wrong heart. A wicked heart is a wrong heart. A jealous heart is a wrong heart. A biased heart is a wrong heart. A grievous heart is a wrong heart. A heart full of hatred is the wrong heart. See, all these hearts I just mentioned, and again, we can go on and on and on about your heart, it will affect how you respond. And affects how you heard what was said. If your heart is already offended, I'm telling you, you hadn't heard nothing yet that was said. Because offended heart, all offended heart hears is somebody picking at them. That's all you hear. They can get up here and say, you know something, everybody after service, we're going to have a meal for you. And your mind is little, well, and, and they say the meal was spaghetti. You're like, well, why did they pick the spaghetti? Because they know I hate it. You you're mad about whatever, has nothing to do with anything. You caught up with it because your heart is offended. You missed the point about having a free meal. All you heard was they having something you don't like. It's offense. You know, you comment about everything. That's an offended heart. And then a heart that's corrupted, the heart that's wicked, a heart that's jealous. You got biases, you got grievances, you got bitterness. You're hearing wrong. You hadn't heard anything yet. It's how you hear it. And so your response, I'm going to tell you, that's why in 2020, all you know, right, the next year, you got to make sure, be careful how you hear it. So here's a good way for you to understand how you hear things. Be slow to respond. Until you understand what has been said. Get this be slow to respond till you understand what has been said to you. Because <laughs> you know, we all got we we all can hear from somebody else. But be slow to respond to what was said to you. Be slow until I get an understanding. I'm not going to respond. Get an understanding first before you respond out of that offended heart, that corrupt heart, that wicked heart. Because you understand, that's who the enemy was. The enemy, the devil, is corrupted. He said his his beauty corrupted him. He says his wisdom, Satan, he says his wisdom was corrupted. He was corrupted by his beauty. They said even in, in his heart, it was lifted up because of, of his beauty, because of his brightness. In other words, Satan got caught up because of how God created him for purpose and he thought it was all about him. Satan was created for a specific purpose. The anointed chair, the covering chair, over the stones and because, and, and because of how he was creating that beauty, for God's purpose, he thought it was something special about him. And he corrupted himself. See, I'm telling you the subtleties that are here in this ministry that it will get you corrupted and you forget about God's purpose. What do I mean by that? God has brought you again. God has brought you here for a purpose. And if that purpose gets exalted, don't think it's about you. That's how you get corrupted. It is not about you. It's about God's purpose being exalted. Not you being exalted. It's the purpose of God. Because if you start getting an attitude where it's about you, then you will be corrupted. Stay humble. So how you perceive how something is stated, presented, will dictate to you how you respond. Again, how you perceive how something is stated, presented, will dictate to you how you respond. So I just mentioned how you take heed, how you hear. If you have any of those hearts, that's wrong. It's going to dictate to you how to respond. That's going to be the warfare. That means your perception of what someone did or said to you if you have those filters on, you will respond accordingly. And that response will always be out of your flesh. It will never be out of the purpose of God. It will be out of your flesh. It will never be out of, out of love. It will never be out of the fruit of the Spirit with love and kindness and joy. It will always be out of your flesh. So in 2020, we must remove the hatred in our heart towards our brother. Towards one another, towards even the leadership. You must remove the hatred in your heart. So I don't hate anybody. Let's look at the word hatred. I'm sorry, let's turn to 1 John chapter 4 first. 1 John chapter 4. You've got to remove hatred. 1 John chapter 4. <clears throat> Look at this in verse 20. 1 John 4 and 20 says, If a man say, I love God, and hateth his brother, he is a liar. For he that loveth not his brother whom he hath seen, how can he love God whom he hath not seen? And this commandment have we from him. That he who loveth God loveth his brother also. To me, one of the greatest examples of love is how Jesus responded to Judas in the time of his betrayal. When Judas came to him, you know, he he called him a friend. You go back and study that out. And of course, you know, Jesus knew. (laughs) He knew exactly what Judas was doing. He knew exactly what was happening. He still called him friend. So we've got to show love, show kindness, show compassion to our brother. You get, that means you've got to remove the hatred in your heart towards your brother. Now, hatred. Hatred is intense hostility. It's the reason... Of opposition, but understand it's intense opposition, it's the reason for opposition, it's a forcible aggressiveness towards one another. You can be hostile to somebody while you're, while you're smiling at them. Yeah, exactly. Let me say, you can be friendly hostility. Yeah, it's not about you sit on this side of the church, I sit on that side of the church. Then no, you can sit on the same side of the church and be hostile towards them because you are forceful and aggressive towards one another. That's hostility in your heart. Have you ever, you know, here's, here's the thing to catch, right? And I, I'll just use an example from work. That will to help. I will not want to use an example at church. We'll use a work example. Have you ever been in, in a work meeting, for those at work, right? They go into the office, and as soon as a certain person says something, somebody else will always comment on it. Whether good or bad they always make when a certain person says something somebody will, the same person will always comment on it it could be good things or bad things and, and, and you sit there and you're like here it comes they say no this project is doing going well they say yeah it is doing well or this project is not going right well it was your fault you know they, they either say something good or bad but they'll always comment when that certain person says something that's hostility and it's very aggressive it's, it's pointed it's directly right at you that's hatred It's intense hostility. And and here's a word that, here's a definition of hatred that that really got my attention, right? Because one commentary talked about hatred is not viewing it as the opposite of love or hate as the opposite of love, but it talked about being a diminishment of love. My love for you has diminished. And if my love for you has diminished in my hatred, that means that took a process of time. That means at one time, guess what? I may have loved you. But over time, that love has diminished. And it came to a point now where it got to a place where now it's become hatred. See, because you know people that, that say hateful things to other people. The first thing people, if someone says something hateful to me, then one of the first responses I'll say, you don't know me. But on their end, they think they do. That's why they can say things to you. And what I mean by diminished love, diminished means a, a devaluement. They look at you at a certain value. They don't have a lot of value for you. Your value, your importance has been diminished. So that's how come they got hostile to you. They feel they have a right to say what they said because you ain't about nothing. You ain't nobody. In their eyes, in their viewpoint, you are nothing. So they feel like I can control you. I hate you. That's hatred. And we got to remove the hatred in this ministry. Because I'm going to tell you, the, like I said before, the closer we work together, that hatred, that hostility is going to come out. Because I'm going to tell you, this you know how God is. The same one you hate, that's the first person they're going to pair you with. And that's how, you know, God Like God ain't hiding it from you. God going to make sure it is foes. Now we say we're going out and witnessing, we go two by two, the two by two is going to be the one that you hate. And you're going to wonder, how come they put me with so-and-so? Uh, they didn't put you with so and God, like, deal with that hatred. Yeah. So when y'all out there witnessing, and here we go, right? you knocking on the door, and then somebody comes and says something, and then, and then now all of a sudden you look at the other person, you got to talk as being in oneness, you're going to have a struggle with that. Amen. God like, you're going to deal with this. You're going to allow someone not to get ministered to the gospel because you hate them? I mean, that's the day that every door you knock on, somebody's going to come answer. That ain't the day where, you know, you knock the door. And be, that day, they're going to come out and they're going to invite you in. You're the person you hate. Oh, come here. Yeah, I want to hear about Jesus. Come sit down with us. Tell us about the Lord Jesus. And you sit in stand with that person you hate. God's dealing with you. you got to remove the hatred. We're going to work closer together in 2020. Remove the hatred. Remove the hostility. See, this is, the, this is the spiritual warfare that goes on. Remove it. Because you say you love God, but you hate your brother. You don't have it. You are a liar. And we know who the father of lies is. It's Satan. He's a father of lies. Again, that's the deception. Again, that's why this is spiritual warfare. He said, you are a liar when you say you love God, but you hate your brother. Remove the hostility for your brother from your heart. Remove it. Now look at this in in 2 Samuel chapter 13. We're going to look at an example. The time that I have left. Someone that started out loving somebody that turned to hate. 2 Samuel 13, because of course, you know, you never did this. It's just always somebody else that did it. (laughs) 2 Samuel 13, if you've been in any of of them, but you've been in the recent Next Gen services, you remember this. This story, which is a really good story. And I'm saying the story. It's actually real. I'm going to give a point like it ain't real. It's real. So 2 Samuel 13, we're going to start at verse number 1. It says, And it came to pass, after this, that Absalom, the son of David, had a fair sister, whose name was Tamar. And Amnon, the son of David, loved, loves her. So we see here the characters they introduced from the very beginning. We got Tamar, who is a fair sister. You know what "fairy" means, right? Beautiful. Lovely. Right? And then we have Amnon, the son of David. That means that's uh, Tamar's brother. He says he loved her. And Amnon was so vexed that he fell sick for his sister Tamar. For she was a virgin. And Amnon thought it hard for him to do anything to her. See, it's amazing how love think you do anything harmful to her. But Amnon had a friend whose name was Jonadab. The son of Shema, David's brother. And Jonadab was a very subtle man. Here come the crossroads. Here we talk about decisions. Here come the spiritual warfare. Right? So now Jonadab shows up, subtle, and he said unto him, Why art thou, being the king's son, (laughs) lean from day to day? Will thou not tell me? And Amnon said unto him, I love Tamar, my brother Absalom's sister. So that right there already stinks that Amnon knows who Tamar is and knows it's wrong. Catch this, right? Because here's one thing about hatred. When you hate somebody, you know you're wrong. But guess what? You still do it. You know, let me say it different. You know what you're about to say is wrong, but guess what? I'm going to still say it, or I'm going to still do it. You know, if somebody in, in in operating hatred, the acts of hatred are not naive; they're not innocent. You know exactly what you are doing when you hate somebody. You're doing it on purpose. You know it. Don't think about oh, they're just being innocent. They don't know what they said. No, you know exactly what you said. You know, if like people said, "Oh, folks, I meant what I said," I said what I meant. That was you when you hate it You meant what you said and you said what you meant. That's hatred in your heart. Verse 5, And and Jonadab said unto him, Lay thee down on thy bed and make thyself sick. And when thy father cometh to see thee, say unto him, I pray thee, let my sister Tamar come and give me meat and dress the meat in my sight that I may see it and eat it at her hand. So now we hear that the... Counsel came from Jonadab, and we, are, again, we on this side of it. In our mind, we know that this was not godly counsel. But again, we said who's going to be there when the crossroad? Right, you're going to have God there, or you're going to have the enemy there, and you're going to be there. So that means God's going to give you counsel. Tam- uh, Amnon's going to get God's counsel too. Verse, verse six. So Amnon lay down and made himself sick. And when the king was come to see him, Amnon said unto the king. I pray thee, let Tamar, my sister, come and make me a couple of cakes in my sight that I may eat at her hand. Then David sent home to Tamar, saying, Go now to thy brother Amnon's house and dress him meat." So Tamar went to her brother Amnon's house, and he was laid down. And she took flour and kneaded it and made cakes in his sight and did bake the cakes. And she took a pan and poured them out before him, but he refused to eat. And Amnon said, Have out all men from me. And they went out every man from him. And Amnon said unto Tamar, Bring the meat into the chamber that I might eat of thine hand. And Tamar took the cakes which she had made and brought them into the chamber to Amnon, her brother. And when she had brought them unto him to eat, he took hold of her and said unto her, Come lie with me my sister and she answered him nay my brother do not force me for no such thing ought to be done in Israel do not thou this folly. there was the counsel of God from Tamar I'm going to tell you every time you're in a crossroad God's going to make sure you hear his counsel you're going to have to refuse the counsel of God and still do what you want to do get that you're going to have to refuse it because it's going to be there why? Because God is such a good God. Even in all your bondage, God's going to make sure his counsel is there. He's still giving you a way to choose. And Tamar brought the counsel of God. So you're going to be a fool to do this. Don't force me. In and, and, and verse 13, and I, and I, whither shall I cause my shame to go? And as for thee, shalt thou be as one of the fools in Israel? Now therefore I pray thee, speak unto the king, for he will not withhold me from thee. And I love how she said that. Go talk to the king. Who is his daddy? And here's the whole point. What, what does she mean by he would not withhold him from me? Her point was not, her point was not to, uh, for him to go talk to the king about what, what he wanted. The point was him to talk to the king. Tell the king that you want your sister. Because that's where you're going to get your godly counsel from. From those in next gen, right? Godly counsel comes from your authority. Find the one that's in authority. Tell them what you're about to do. And let them give you counsel. See, that's spiritual warfare. She's just trying to say, you know, she's just peeling to his flesh like, this. hey, you want me? That's fine. Okay, you want me? I got you. I'm beautiful. I understand. Go talk to the king. Because once you go around spiritual authority, they're going to tell you, boy, sit down. Leave your sister alone. You're talking crazy. Get out of your mind. What you doing? See, she's wanting him to go talk to authority. And I'm going to tell you, that's what God was, God has given you an example to give you to go talk to authority. And that's where you refuse your counsel. You will not go talk to the authority, your spiritual authority. Why? Because you know what they're going to say. You know what's wrong. But you've got to remove that hatred from your heart. Remove the hatred from your heart in 2020. So, Amen. <clears throat> sorry, where did I with Verse 6, Elaine, lay down. <clears throat> sorry, where am I at? I lost my place. 13, thank you. And, uh, and I will, I whither shall I cause my shame to go? And as for thee, thou shalt be as one of the fools in Israel. Now therefore, I pray thee, speak unto thee, the king, for he will not withhold me from thee. Howbeit, he would, he would not hearken unto her voice, but being stronger than she, forced her and laid with her. So he did not hearken to the counsel of the Lord, he defiled his sister. Now, here we go with the hatred. Then Amnon hated her exceedingly so that the hatred wherewith he hated her was greater than the love wherewith he had loved her. And Amnon said unto her, Arise, be gone. You get that, right? Because we start out... Remember why we went to Because we start out with love towards our brothers here. And that diminished love starts happening over the process of time. And then now all of a sudden our hatred is even stronger or greater then I love that we once had towards one another, folks. That, you know, folks, you come in church with well, you you love to come to church, love to have fellowship with the brother. Now every fellowship we have, you don't show up. You know, you know, hatred can show up in different ways, right? When you don't come to the fellowships, there's a problem, and the problem ain't with the fellowship or with the brothers or with the sisters. It's with you. There's hatred in your heart towards somebody that you do not want to be around. So that's how come you don't come to the fellowship. You can say what you want to say. Oh, no, it ain't that. I just don't like y'all playing, or I can see him playing golf. In the time. We don't even do golf no more like that. So that's it. all that excuse is gone. But you still don't show up to the fellowship. Even we go eat somewhere, you're not even there for the brothers. Because there's hatred in your heart towards somebody or somebody's. It shows up. That's hatred. But before, you was there all the time. And not only there, you was active and saying stuff. But now you like Amnon, arise and be gone. And she said unto him, There is no cause. This evil is sending me away, is greater than the other that thou didst unto me. Now that's deep for me. Say, so you sending me away is more wrong than you defiling me. Why does she say that? Because your heart is now corrupt. This the, your heart of hatred is corrupt. But he would not hearken unto her. Then he, then he called his servant that ministered unto him and said, Put now this woman out from me and bolt the door after her. Understand hatred, right? Remember how nice and lovely he was in the first verses? Now all of a sudden, look how he addressed her in verse, in verse 17. He said, Put now this. Matter of fact, you know the word woman is in italics. It's is put in there for the translation of the reader. You understand? In other words, she, he didn't call her by name. He said, put now this out from me. That's how it originally reads. The same one that before called her the sister. Now she's not even the sister. Now it's just this. I don't even want to ground this. That's, That's hatred. That's the diminishment of love now you have. You devalue that individual so much that you ain't not call them by their name. Or the relationship that they have. You will not even call a person in here or your brother no more or your sister no more. See, I don't, be, I, don't, I don't want to even be around them. Now we are them to you. Before we were the church, the body of Christ. Now we're just them. I don't want to be around them. Are we them now? But let me say that. But when you had trouble, when you needed some help, all of a sudden was Brother Haston and Minister Martin and, and Minister this, Pastor here. Oh, it, we got formal names when you needed help, though. But now you're on the other side of that. You know, now you have hatred. Oh, it's just them. I will not be with them. Them be gone. I said, that's your issue. That's hatred is in your heart. Do not take hatred into 2020. You know, I'll say this it's better for you to just leave than to foster hatred in your heart towards those that you're going to be in fellowship with. Just leave. And let us just guess and, and, and you know, let us have our own, leave ourselves our own imagination while you left for you to stay here with that hatred and make those comments out of your mouth or in your actions. Just just roll. Just go. Put now this woman out from me and bolt the door after her. And she had a garment of divers colors upon her for which robes were the king's daughters that were virgins of apparel. Then his servant brought her out and bolted the door after her. And Tamar put ashes on her head and rent her garment of divers colors that was on her, and laid her hand on her head and went on crying. Now here's the thing I want to get to it talks about consequences. Amnon's consequences didn't show up right then. He just defiled his brother's sister, Absalom. But look what Absalom did. Verse 20. And Absalom her brother said unto her, Have Amnon that brother been with thee? Now, that's interesting. Amnon must have knew, I mean, Absalom must have knew something about his brother. He even asked that question. But hold now thy peace, my sister. He is thy brother. Regard not this thing. So Tamar remained desolate in her brother Absalom's house. So you see here, Absalom told told his sister, uh, uh, Tamar, you hold your peace. You know what he's telling her? I'm going to deal with this. There's going to be consequences coming towards Amnon. Now when the king David heard of all these things, he was very angry, or very wroth. And Absalom spake into his brothers Amnon, neither good nor bad. For Absalom hated, here we go, hated Amnon, because he had forced his sister Tamar. Now look at this in verse 23. And it came to pass, after two full years, that Absalom had a sheep shear in Baalhazar, which is beside Ephraim, and Absalom invited all the king's son. It took two full years for the consequences of Amnon's uh, 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 choices to catch up with him. Two years! I like how they say it. The Bible's really good. Two full years. Not a year and a half. Two full years. In other words, at the time of the two full years, you know, guess what? Amnon forgot all about that. He forgot all about... he. Absalom, his brother, said, oh, my brother, you invited me out for this this gathering. And I'm telling you, and then... Of course, Absalom is going to take Amnon out. But I'm going to say, at that time of two, four years, Amnon has forgotten all about what he has done. That's how the enemy will slow walk you down. He will get you to a place where the time pass, elapse, that you think you've forgotten about what you've done. But then the consequences of what you've done will show up. And you will get the results of that. And guess when they show up? It's there to take you out. And I, I and tell you can so you know what the thing that gets me is that when the results show up, it's usually a, a thing that's a nice event, you know, something you want, it's a place where you don't even expect it to happen in. invited them to a nice place. You you don't at that time you, if, even if you thought Absalom had some issues with you, you don't think he's going to do it to you at that gathering. See, that's how the enemy is. The enemy has so subtle who will catch you off guard that you thinking what's coming to you. What you normally do is now your day of, of reckoning. That day will show up. Why? Because you never addressed your hatred. You never addressed it. So these are your warnings. These are your times. As we're leaving this decade, as we're leaving 2019, deal with your hatred that you have towards the brethren and sisters that are here in this ministry. Address it. Do not carry over this hatred. Because God is going to address you. And if you, I'm going to tell you, if you've done things you shouldn't have done, just repent. You know, things, like I said, some things are not even meant... You going to go back and say, well, brother, so on." so I'm sorry. Just repent to God. Trust me, folks are moving on. Man, a lot of people, they don't forgot what you did. A lot of people, they're not like Absalom waiting to get you. They, just, they don't move on because they're like... They, anyway, they don't move on. You just need to repent to God, acknowledge your sin, and then show your love and compassion towards one another. Show it. Let your actions speak to your repentance. You know, the fruit of repentance, right? In your actions. Let it show. Come to the fellowships. Give towards one another. The Bible says, and we didn't get to that, the Bible talks about when someone that hates you. It says do good to them that hate you. Start showing goodness to those that, you, that you've done wrong. Do good. How do you do good? Bless them. I'm going to tell you, you go in your pocket and give somebody something out of your own pocket, that will show compassion and love. And and you do it just because, not because of their birthday or Father's Day. Mother, just do it just because it's out of your heart is changed. Do good towards them. Don't hold hatred with them. And I'm going to tell you, this is a, a tough lesson for a lot of us to learn. Because we have history with one another. But don't hoard that hatred in your heart in 2020. Because the work God has us for to do is going to have to cause us to have love and compassion and kindness towards one another, not hatred. Stand to your feet. This has been a teaching message from Church of the Living Water at Austin. For more information about our ministry, please go to our website at livingwateraustin.net. (laughs) ni ni ni